And Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Great to see you all tuned in on the chat today. Greet one another and get ready as we enter into the final leg of the journey in our last Torah portion of the book of Numbers, Bar Midmar. We are in Matot and Masai. Give us a thumbs up or put something in the chat to give me some confidence that you actually hear me and you actually see me today. Are we good to go? We do hear you loud and clear. Shabbat Shalom, Warnicky family. And I see we've got Chris Della Rosa here. We've got Kevin Niebling, Shabbat Shalom family. Onion Breath, Shabbat Shalom to you. I see you all coming in here live. We've got thumbs up. Glorious. I feel good. You feel good. It is your Shabbat today. And I hear you had a great time this morning on Shabbat Fellowship as reported to me. So what a blessing that is. Remember, our next time of gathering together will be the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot 2022. And you can always go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and scroll down to the feasts and find out more about that. Let's turn to our scriptures. And this week we are in Matot and Masai, a double portion coming to you from Numbers, Bar Midbar, chapter 30, verse 1. And the first um, section is Matot, which means tribes in the Hebrew. Chapter 30, verse 1, extending through chapter 32, verse 42. And then the second portion, as the double portion, is Maasai journeys, chapter 33, verse 1, and extending all the way through to chapter 36, verse 13, the end of the book of Bar Midbar. All right, let me give you an overview of this week's Torah portion as we go into chapter 30. We're going to be looking at the vows, the vows. The Hebrew word for a vow is a neder, a neder, vows. This is very important for us to understand in these last days. And I know I do bang on about it, but it is very important because the Bible does give us a commandment. Come out of her, my people. Now, to do that, we have to understand the neder, the vows, because what we are talking about here is a neder, a Hebrew vow. It was always voluntary. It's voluntary, brethren. It's all voluntary. We need to understand the difference between covenants and contracts. Contracts are for the lost. Contracts are for those that want to do commerce in the world. Not all the lost. I do commerce in the world. But I know when I'm entering, in, entering into a commercial contract and I realize that there are ramifications. But really, I want to live in the private, which is all about covenant. Because there is a cause and effect, not only to our contracts, but to our covenants. So that's very important. Then we'll get into chapter 31. Vengeance. You want to take some vengeance? I want to take some vengeance. You want a pound of blood? 
pound of flesh? No. Vengeance is mine, saith Yahuwah. We have to allow Yahuwah to take vengeance. And guess what that takes, brethren? Time. Patience. It's a process. And in the process is where you're going to find the pain. The pain is in the process. Are you able to endure the pain and endure the process so that Yahweh will, ex will extract the vengeance in his time? Not you, not me. Don't argue, don't get angry. Pray for your enemies and those that seek to hurt you and abuse you. Then we come into chapter 32, division. We don't need you stop stirring up division. I don't need to be stirring up division. We do not need to be partakers of controversy. Division, because what we saw in this week's Torah portion is some of the tribes made a division from the other tribes. And it was because they wanted the natural things of the land. Division in chapter 32. Now in chapter 33, we get into the different stages of the journey. What's interesting is as they left Ramesses, they journeyed to, where was the pl first place they journeyed to? It was to Sukkot. And then we find that there are how many camping spots after Sukkot? There's going to be 42 months of the Great Tribulation, meaning when we exit Mystery Babylon, brethren, the first place that we're going to go to is Sukkot. So that's why we practice and rehearse the Moadim. The Moadim, the Apostle Paul says, these are Mikra Kodesh. These are holy rehearsals. Yes, there is going to be the sounding of the great shofar at the Feast of Trumpets. And then there is going to be 10 days of awe where some of us will get thrown in jail for 10 days. And will we be able to endure? And then we get to Yom Kippur after the 10 days of awe because we were able to endure. Then we will be released to go to our first camping spot, which will be Sukkot. And then we've got 42 months of the great tribulation. Oh, there's so much to talk about there, but I already have been apocalyptic enough, so let's carry on, because then we get into chapter 34, and we're talking about vision, brethren. Do you have the vision? Do I have the vision for the land, and how are we going to set up boundaries? This is a big problem for many of us when we come out of Mystery Babylon. We were never taught to set up boundaries in our life. We just did everything. We had all kinds of relationships. And then there are consequences to that. When I first got married to my wife and then we had children, we decided we needed to go to the word. We saw what the children of Israel did when they entered into the land. And the first thing they did was they set up boundary stones. It's all about having boundaries, brethren. And that is a very important part of us entering into the promises and kingdom. Of Yahweh. Now, in chapter 35, we get into what's called the Torah of vindication. It's about vindication versus vengeance. And ultimately, Yahweh is the one that provides the cities of refuge. There is refuge for us, but we can't take on vindication and vengeance ourselves. There is a place to flee, and that is under the wings of Yahweh, where He 
will take care of us until the Kohen Haggadah comes back again. Because you and I know that our high priest, he died once to free you and I from sin and captivity. He's not going to die again because he is risen and risen indeed. Chapter 35 is so powerfully prophetic. Finally, in the 36th chapter, we get to protecting our inheritance, the daughters of Zelophad. They protected and petitioned, they petitioned, they protected. It's about protecting our inheritance. There's a lot to get into here, brethren. And again, I'm going to check the chat once in a while just to check that you are still with me. Bear with me, brethren, as I learn to navigate all this technology right in front of my face. All right. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. Let's delve right in now as we turn to Numbers, Bar Midbar, chapter 30 and verse 1. And Moshe spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which Yahuwah hath commanded. If a man vow a vow, neder, unto Yahuwah, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. Brethren, it is all about what? You bind your soul. Be careful of the contracts and covenants that you enter into because they can bind your soul. And as I said, whether it's with Mystery Babylon or making soul ties through immoral sexual relationships, there are consequences that afflict, sully, and the soul. And the soul that sins dies. Nefeshim, the nefesh. And this is how we begin this week's Torah portion. Verse verse 2, if a man vow a vow unto Yahweh or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, he shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. If a woman also vow a vow unto Yahweh and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house in her youth, and her father hear her vow and her bond wherewith she hath bound her soul, and her father shall hold his peace at her, then all her vows shall stand, and every bond wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand. Meaning, fathers, you and I need to be diligent We cannot slumber. We need to be very attentive to our wives and our children, and we need to take action if they make a mistake without condemnation, but to come in there and renounce the vows or what has been spoken. I can't tell you how many times I've had to take my wife or children aside and renounce things they've spoken when they have made a mistake. And my wife has come to me when I have made a mistake and said, Matthew, you need to renounce what you've said. And I have to be willing to hear my wife and trust her intuition, which is inspired by Yahuwah, and not be prideful and boastful. Because brethren, this is very important because we'll see in verse five, there are consequences, especially you fathers with young daughters. 
But if her father disallow her in the day that he heareth, not any of her vows or her bonds wherewith she had bound her soul. There it is again. You're binding your nefesh. These are soul ties, brethren. And many people come and say, oh, I need help with this. I need prayer with this. And you go, okay. But what about, what have you been doing for the past decade? You've been binding your soul and binding your body and making all of these ties. And you expect one simple prayer for deliverance. Well, Yahusha said that that wouldn't be so, that even he would be fasting and some things can't come out by, except by prayer and fasting because you need to go back and go, well, hang on a minute. What did I bind my soul to? What are my contracts and my covenants by which I am bound? Because Yahweh is not going to come in and dishonor that. You need to bring it forth and we need to be very responsible with what we do in our lives. Now we can see in verse 6, and if she had at all a husband when she bowed or uttered aught out of her lips, wherewith which she bound her soul, and her husband heard it and held his peace at her in the day that he heard her, then her vows shall stand and her bonds wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. Meaning silence is acquiescence. Be careful. I mean, yes, you have the right to remain silent, but that doesn't mean you stand there mute. One time I was before a judge and I said, well, I reserve all my rights with explicit reservation and remain silent and I didn't say anything else. Well, it didn't end up too well for me because back then, many, many years ago, I didn't realize that it's not just about remaining silent because that silence can be acquiescence. You have then needing to engage in dialogue and then communicate what it is that you're trying to accomplish with honor and respect. And then things go very well for you. But you don't stand there as a dumb mute. And I'm sorry if that offends some of you. But brethren, we have to take action. We are people of action. Rise up at once, last week's Torah portion taught us about Phineas. We are the children of Israel. We take action. We do not stand by silence because that silence can be acquiescence. We can continue on now in verse 8. But if her husband disallowed her on the day that he heard it, then he shall make her vow which she vowed and that which she uttered with her lips, wherewith she bound her soul and nephesh of none effect, and Yahweh shall forgive her. But every vow of a widow and of her that is divorced, wherewith they have bound their souls, shall stand against her. Numbers chapter 30, verse 10. And if she vowed in her husband's house or bound her soul with a bond, with an oath, and her husband heard it and held his peace at her and disallowed her not, then all her vows shall stand, and every bond wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. Verse 12. But if her husband hath utterly made them void on the day he heard them, then whatsoever proceedeth out of her lips concerning her vows or concerning the bond of her soul shall not stand. Her husband hath made them void, and Yahuwah shall forgive her. This is a very, very powerful section. 
because then it continues on to say in the 13th verse that every vow and every binding oath to afflict the soul, her husband may establish it or her husband may make it void. So do we have responsibilities, awesome responsibilities as priests of our homes and priests over our families? Verse 14 says thus, but if her husband altogether hold his peace at her from day to day, then he establishes all her vows or all of her bonds which are upon her. He confirmeth them because he held his peace at her in the day that he heard them. But if he shall anyways make them void after he hath heard them, then he shall bear her iniquity. This is the Torot of Neder, and it has got massive, massive ramifications. Everything that I am experiencing in my life right now and growing tremendously in my life right now, brethren, personally, has got to do with Neder. Because over the past 10 years, I have really, really come to understand the difference, excuse me, between contracts and covenants, public and private. And I contract with the federal government. I contract with the state in my business. So I have no problem doing that because I am operating in commerce. And that is the public venue. And there are consequences and massive ramifications of it. But I also realize that in my private life, that I don't want to contract, that I do not contract. I enter into private covenants and private covenants is the way that I choose to live my life. And that has been huge for me, huge for me. I've had to go back and cancel and rescission so many public contracts. But I tell you what, it has been extremely beneficial in my life. So now I choose very carefully when I contract, and then I choose most of the time not to contract, but to covenant, unless I'm dealing with public bodies like the federal government and the state. And then I make sure that there is a separation between the public and the private, and the two never, ever must cross, because that will nullify the whole thing and off to prison you go. So again, massive ramifications, massive ramifications. Yahuwah is teaching me through his word and through the school of hard knocks how to come out of mystery Babylon because I believe that I am going to be able to help so many of you as we continue on in these next days to be able to do it too. Those that have a heart and desire and not everybody will want to and that is okay. That is not for me to choose or to say. The ultimate, ultimate responsibility is words mean things. Don't break your word. Our words are very, very powerful. And we don't have the right to pledge. I don't have the right to pledge heaven. Do I have any ownership in heaven? Then how can I pledge heaven? Do I have any ownership in the earth? then how can I pledge earth? We have been bought at a price. We are not our own. So no, I do not swear by heaven or earth because that is Yahuwah. And that's what Yahushua speaks about in the Brit Hadashah. 
This is the Torah of the Neder, the Torah of the woman and the Neder, the vows. And we as men can disallow and annul vows of our wives and of our children. My wife has made mistakes. I made mistakes in the public regarding my wife. And I disallowed it by doing what's called a rescission because I made a mistake. It's okay. If you make mistakes in life, then you own up to your mistakes. There is nothing wrong with mistakes. I would much rather that than make a claim of fraud because then I have to prove the claim. But you can't say that I didn't make a mistake because I know that I did. And there we have our protection clause that the Torah, of course, Yahuwah has for us. The husband can, now, can annul the vows. Now, what I say, you know, it says in the Brit Hadashah, well, tomorrow I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to go to this city. No, we don't say that because there's a phrase in the Torah and it comes from this week's Torah Pasha and it's called Abaya, Abaya, two words, Abaya, Aleph, Bet, He. Not as in Abba, Father, but as in Abba, as in willing. Abaya, you're willing. Abaya, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. Abaya, I'll see you tomorrow, Donnie. Abaya, I'm going to go to the beach tomorrow. Abaya, Aleph, Bet, He. Abaya, Yod, He. That is how we live. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 22, it is written, But if you shall cease to vow, it shall be no sin in you. That which has gone out of your lips, you shall keep and perform, even a free will offering, according as you have vowed to Yahweh your Elohim, which you have promised with your mouth. And I know I bang on about this, but again, this is extremely pertinent to the age in which we live because S.A. Tan cannot invent anything. He cannot create anything. He copies and pastes and perverts. But compelled performance, you can look that up in a Black's Laws Dictionary if you want. And that's what I would, I would recommend, Black's Law Dictionary. You can look up compelled performance because its origin is the Torah, because this is what we have. Yahweh is compelling us to perform to his word. And Mystery Babylon is compelling us to perform to Satan's word, of which she operates on. Because Yahweh's word is lawful, mystery Babylon and Satan's word is legal. There is a distinction between what is lawful and what is legal. And this is what we must understand. I am being compelled to perform all of the time. The majority of the time it's by Satan and mystery Babylon and the public realm compelling me to perform. But ultimately, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is get into the Word, and then I go and I pray, and I realize 
that I have been compelled to perform since before I was in my mother's womb unto Yahuwah. And that is where the origin of my freedom and the cleansing of my soul comes. When I am compelled by Yahuwah to perform to his word, my soul is cleansed. Because you just saw it, I just read it, our vows, covenants, and contracts can either cleanse our soul or sully our soul. And your soul can die by the contracts that you vowed to. Millions of people the past two years were compelled to perform to a contract that they signed to get something in their body that now is actually going to sully and dirty their soul and their bodies. But don't think they didn't get that benefit and privilege without signing something. They had to. It was, a co- it was a contract. It was a neder. Brethren, watch, 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 watch. The more that you see this, it is everything in these last days. It is everything in these last days. Turn with me to see the ramifications of the neder, Romans chapter 10. Because many brethren who have made some crazy contracts they're just going to cry out and go, oh, well, the Lord Jesus is going to save me. He saved me. I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb. I believe and I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb and everything's good to go. Sounds good. Sounds great. I used to believe that when I was in the Christian church. All I have to do is do what? All I have to do is confess with my mouth the master, Yahusha. And all I've got to do is believe in my heart that Yahweh raised him from the dead, and um, I'm good to go. It's pretty simple. In fact, everybody slip your hand up who wants to take the Lord as their Savior, and all you have to do is um, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that um, Yahweh raised him from the dead, and you're saved. No matter what you do, no matter what contracts you sign, no matter how uh, Mystery Babylon compels you to perform, you are absolutely fine and saved. That is asinine, brethren, because that is not what it says in our text that we're about to delve into. When Paul was speaking to the Romans in chapter 10, verse 8, you have to back up a verse, and this is what is written. But what does Torah actually say? Where would you go to find out about vows? you'd go to this week's Torah portion, Bar Midbar, Numbers chapter 30. But what does actually Torah say? The word, the Torah, is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we proclaim. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Master Yahuwah, and shall believe in your heart that Yahuwah has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What's really interesting in verse 9 of Romans chapter 10 is the Greek word kurios appears here. And it's used in the Septuagint more than 6,000 times 
for the true name, the Tetragrammaton, the yod Hey wah Hey. So right here, Paul, in his writing to the Romans, attributes the deity to Yahusha by using the Greek word kurios, which is used more than 6,000 times in the Septuagint for the true name, the yod Hey wah Hey, the Tetragrammaton. That's pretty important to understand. Now, in verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to Yahusha. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. There's three things that really come out here in this text that come back to our Torah portion here in Numbers chapter 30. Number one, confess. Number two, to believe. And the byproduct of that, number three, is salvation. But it's not as simple as the churchy way in which we were taught. Because number one, confess, is the Greek word homologio. Homologio. Can you hear that? One word. Homologio. It comes from the Hebrew word nada, nun dalit resh, from this week's Torah portion. You're taking a vow. Paul was telling the Romans to take a vow in word and deed. It's not like, oh, repeat after me these words. No, you're taking a vow, homo. That means one action of word and deed. Now, in fact, Jeremiah in the 44th chapter in the 15th verse, we see this. A vow is to confess beyond all question. It's not only acoustic. You don't just hear it. You're not just blah. It's not mental assent. You are taking a confession and a vow. Now, that's got huge ramifications. What happens if you don't follow through with your vow? Punishment will follow. Meaning, if you give Yahweh lip service with Jesus and you don't vow your life, you'll get worse punishment. Meaning, you'll be beaten with rods. A much worse punishment than the heathen who never vowed in the first place. It's better to be a heathen who never vowed in the first place than to be a lukewarm Christian who did the Jesus prayer and never followed through with it. Because it's written in Luke chapter 12, verse 47. The Lord of that servant will come in the day that he hopeth not, and at the hour that he knoweth not, and he shall separate him and shall appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew the will of his Lord and prepared not himself and did not according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. It's better to be a heathen, an unbeliever, than to be a lukewarm believer 
who says, oh yes, I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm saved and I'm good to go. How many of us were taught in the Christian church? Because there's huge ramifications. Romans chapter 10, verse 8, 9, and 10. Massive ramifications because you didn't believe or even know because they never taught you at church that when you do that confession in Romans chapter 8, 9, and 10, you're taking a dare, a nadare. You are taking a vow. Now that would sober up some people, wouldn't it, before just confessing and getting saved? Oh, let's have an altar call. And by the way, if you do this, you're taking a vow and the ramifications of it. If you break that, you will be beaten with rods and it will be worse than the heathen. Because you'll get into the lukewarm zone of being spit out. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm not ready for that, right? Well, it's better not to be ready and take a vow and not follow through with a vow. Because there are consequences and actions that follow. Now, again, we have responsibility, especially as fathers and as husbands, to be very vigilant. Vigilance. Equity aids the vigilant, but one who slumbers on his rights has no light rights indeed. Do not slumber on your rights. Silence is acquiescence. Don't stand silent, because silent is consent. If you're silence, it's consent. Now, I'm going to give you a little digression here, but tie it back in. Some modern legal maxims that come from this week's Torah portion. But before I get there, I'm going to take a sip, and I'm going to check with you in the chat and see if you're still with me. Do I still have you with me here? All right, I'm going to read a little chat here for a while. Mary Trotter at Torah to the Tribes. So I thought, if your parents die and didn't take back their vow, I am stuck with those words. I didn't realize I can break it off. Brilliant. We can break it off. We can break off those ties. Remember, in Exodus chapter 34, we get the 10 attributes of Yahuwah, excuse me, the 13 attributes of Yahuwah, and I may even get into some of those today, but he does visit the sins of the fathers. But we can break those curses and we can break those ties. Chris Warnocky, Shabbat Shalom there, he says, we are with you. Ah, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Ah, we are great. Hallelujah. Well, well then let's plod, plod on further. Some modern legal maxims for this week's Torah Porsche that I think will help equip you and help you navigate this modern world. Number one, silence can be equated with fraud when an inquiry left unanswered would be intentionally misleading. Don't stand silent. It can be equated as fraud when an inquiry left unanswered would be intentionally misleading. Think about that. Number two, fraud and deceit may arise from silence where there is a duty to speak the truth. Remember when Yahushua was before Caiaphas, he had a duty to speak the truth because fraud and deceit may arise from silence. You don't just stand silent when you know the truth. 
you and I have been entrusted in this generation with truth. If we stand silent sometimes, that can be associated with fraud and deceit because we have a duty. And our duty is unto Yahuwah. It is not unto Mystery Babylon. Number three, a permanent and irrevocable estoppel by acquiescence is created when you're silent. A permanent and irrevocable estoppel by acquiescence is created when you're silent. Number four, by failure to speak, there is by tacit procuration agreement to all terms and conditions. This is what Mystery Babylon is using against you every single day and you don't realize it. There is cause and effect. Selfishness and non-acceptance or selfish, selflessness and acceptance. I choose the latter. Selflessness and acceptance. There is a right way of doing it and there is a wrong way of doing it. There is an honorable way of doing it, and there is a dishonorable way of doing it. You can claim when you maybe you made a vow or a contract, and you can go, oh, it was fraud, it was fraud. Well, now you've made a claim. Now you have the liability to prove up the claim. And that's a dishonorable way of doing it. The honorable way of doing it is what's called a rescission. And this amounts to the unmaking of a contract or an undoing of it by the way that you performed it, which is usually a signature or usually words spoken out of your mouth. It's called a rescission, and it amounts to the unmaking of a contract or an undoing of it from the beginning and not merely a termination. Meaning when you rescission something, it never exists. It doesn't exist because you undo it from the beginning. It's not merely the termination, but the undoing of it from the beginning. It's powerful. It is only affected by declaring rescission of contract without consent of other if a legally sufficient ground therefore exists. And the grounds, brethren, must be in Torah. They must be in Torah. It is so powerful because it is the annulling, abrogation, or unmaking of a contract, and you are no longer bound by it. From the beginning, it's as if it never existed. And it's an action today of what's called an equitable nature, meaning its origin is in the Torah. And where do you think it's found? Right here in this week's Torah portion in which a party seeks to be relieved of his or her obligations under a contract. Now, here is the part where it breaks into a trifecta of options. Number one, you can do it honorably. Number two, you can do it dishonorably. And number three, you can be passive and be lukewarm about it. Let me, let me just give you the grounds here. You can rescission on the grounds of a mistake, fraud, or an impossibility. What do I mean? 
and here's your honor, dishonor, or lukewarm. Well, I made this contract, I made this vow, I made this, you know, I got this license, I registered this, and, you know, it's fraud. They never disclosed to me everything. Well, that may be so, but now you've made a claim. Now you have to prove up the, compla the, the, the complaint um, that you've just made. You have to now prove up the claim that you've just made, which is actually what's called a traverse, which puts you in dishonor. Because you're traversing the real issue here. And the real issue is, you did it. I did it. We were compelled to do it, correct? But we can lay blame on somebody, and we can say it's a fraud, which ultimately puts us in dishonor. Now, we can say it's an impossibility. You made a contract um, that you're going to go to the moon, right, with NASA, okay? And you can use that. I think that's very valid because it's an impossibility, okay? You can use that, but then again, you're going to have to prove up that claim, and you're going to get into a whole bunch of contra... <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Because there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't believe it's an impossibility, okay? They think you can just blast right through those, those um, belts. What are those belts called? Huh? The Van Allen belts. No problem, no problem, okay? All right, we won't get into that. I prefer the truth of the matter. I made a mistake. I've made a life full of mistakes. And I don't care what you say. You can't prove that I didn't make a mistake because I'm telling you I made a mistake. You can't say to me, no, Matthew, you didn't make a mistake. I did. I made a mistake. And you know what? The Supreme Court will back you right up on this. There's three ways to make a rescission. One of them puts you in honor. One of them puts you in this dishonor. And another way puts you in a way of passivity and lukewarm and controversy. Okay? You made a mistake, puts you in honor. You claim fraud, you're automatically in dishonor. And even if you don't believe that you can get on the moon because you think it's an impossibility, you've come into a big controversy because there's a bunch of people out there that love NASA and they think it's the best thing since sliced bread. And that will put you in a lukewarm position and you're totally being controversy. Just go with the first one, okay? Automatically walk in honor. I made a mistake. Because this brings us back into the Torah of the Nadir. I hope some of you are getting what I'm laying down here. This has changed my life. And I, it's, it's from reading the Torah portion, year in, year out, and gleaning and gleaning and gleaning. It has changed my life. I mean, this moves me so powerfully. And it has affected my life in Mystery Babylon. It's affected everything in my life. It's affected my marriage, the way I interact with my wife. It's affected my, the way I interact with my children. It's affected Everything for the best, for the best. This is huge when it comes to forgiveness and acceptance because you have to stop revisiting the past. When you rescission something, it's done. It's the undoing of a covenant or contract from the beginning, not just the termination of it. Don't hold something 
over a loved one's head for leverage. It will rot your core and sully your soul. You'll be this miserable wretch and you'll be an emotional basket case for the rest of your life because you will be kicking against the goad of Yahuwah because it's right here in Marseille and Matot. You're kicking against the pricks. What do I mean? Acts chapter 26, verse 14. Paul knew this. And when we were all fallen to earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Shaul, Shaul, why do you persecute us me? Is it hard for thee to kick against the goads? Or some translations say, is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? Johnny Cash would sing it that way. It's hard for me to kick against the pricks. Because a goad, a goad is a long rod with a sharp end that was used to prick an animal to move or to move in a different um, direction. So therefore, you can see the synonym between goads and pricks because the goad pricks, right? So you can see how the translators, some translators chose to put goads in and some say you kick against the goads and then some say you kick against the pricks depending, I think the King Jimmy uses the pricks, and I think the new King James uses the goads. So again, that's because a goad is used to prick an animal to go into a different direction. My son has a burn on his arm this week, right? Because his boss decided to use a goad on him with an electric charge, right? A cattle prod. What were you doing? Laying brick or something? So that's what happens, you see. Don't tease your boss, especially if he's a cowboy from Texas, because he will prick the goads against you with a modern... How many How many volts did you get zapped with? Oh, yeah, but that's how he keeps his employees in line. And that is why I made a private covenant with my son's boss. Because I like to support people keeping my children in line, especially if it's got to do with goads and pricks. But that's me. So anyway, kicking against the goads inflicts pain, brethren, on the kicker. On the kicker. It can impact your soul, our Torah portion says. Yourself, your conscience. You end up actually aggravating your own self-inflicted pain because you can't release a vow, because you're not willing to let your husband be forgiven for the mistakes that he's made against you. You're not willing to let your wife be forgiven for the mistakes that she's... She made mistakes. She made mistakes. It's the undoing of a covenant or a contract from the beginning as if it never existed. But if you hold on, to something in your marriage, if you hold on to something against your husband or your wife or your children, it's going to sully your soul. And you don't understand this week's Torah portion. If he made a mistake, if she made a mistake, honor his or her rescission of it. If you don't, then you're the one in dishonor. And then it will sully your soul. 
and you'll become a banana case, an emotional banana case. You'll be the one that cries at the drop of a hat, tears up at the drop of a hat, because your emotions and your nerves are so frailed because you've got so much that you just can't move past because you don't understand the rescission of covenant and contract. This week's Torah portion could set you free. It truly can, because Yahweh's word is healing. Now, if your husband or your wife claims it was a fraud, or tries to justify himself or herself, tries to defend himself or herself, then you are free to keep them in chains, and free to not let them out of it, totally. So don't claim a fraud. Don't try to justify yourself. Don't try to defend the mistakes and sins that you've made. You and I are without excuse. I can't excuse my conduct, but I can repent of my sins. And I can say I have made a mistake. And don't apologize. Don't ever apologize. It's the ugly stepsister of I am sorry. If you can't say I am sorry, forgive me, I repent of my sins and I have made a mistake, and I don't think that you understand this week's Torah portion. This world is full of apologies. And it's the ugly stepsister of I am sorry. Now, if your husband or your wife claims it was an impossibility, then that's a traverse. They're on the fence. It's better to be honorable or dishonorable than to make a traverse. In the 22nd chapter of Isaiah, in the 13th verse, it is written, and behold, joy and gladness and the slaying of an ox and the killing of the sheep and the eating of flesh and the drinking of wine. And let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. Because they didn't understand that if you make a mistake, you can rescission it and repent. There is a way out that you don't just have to live this hopeless life like they were living in the days of the prophet of Isaiah. But also realize in Numbers chapter 30 that all of these vows and these nedars, they afflict the soul. It's a soul tie. You can sully your soul or you can set your soul free. In Leviticus chapter 18 verse 27, it is written, For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled. Well, how does the land get defiled? Well, the land is polluted because of the blood exchanged through appetites, the blood that is exchanged through sexual relations. When she receives multiple souls and dies, then her blood goes into the ground and pollutes the land. Now, in, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 26, it is written, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. She's looking for the blood. She's looking for the blood, the fluids. Now, the, the Hebrew word here is nokri. It means whorish, nokri. A woman takes the man for his soul, his blood, his bodily fluids. And here's the thing, brethren. People today don't realize that vows, nedars, and pledges are being presented to you all the time, every day. 
especially with your little mobile device. There are people that are making porn pledges. That's a vow. There are people that are making music sorcery pledges. In fact, I would suggest this to you. If you have a trouble with music, this will change. You'll want to rescission your vow is go onto YouTube after we finish teaching here and look up sorcery in control. And you'll see like this guy with a moustache from the 80s or early 90s. And it's about an hour and a half long um, YouTube. And it's called Sorcery in Rock and Roll. It will freak you out and you will burn your vinyl. Because you'll realize that you made a vow. You made a pledge. There are very, very huge ramifications by what we look at, by what we listen to, and by what we speak, and by what we put our wet ink signature to. And also, when we stand silent. Very much to learn from this week's Torah portion. I'm going to have another sip. Yes? Explain on this how to make a proper um, that was a, I had a good question in here. How do you make a proper rescission? Well, that is a, um, a, a lawful question that I would have to show somebody in, per, in, in, in the private how to do um, because there is a, a specific way of doing it um, so that it can be recognized. But um, yes, thank you. Great question. Wow, wow. I've still got you in the Torah Torah chat. Kevin Niebling is saying, burn the records. Yes, me and Kevin and Diesel, Grandpa up there in Snohomish County, we've spoken about these things before. I remember watching that um, YouTube actually on a video cassette back in the night. No, yeah, it was 90s, in the 90s. And um, it freaked me out. And um, Crystal LaRosa, they sold their souls for rock and roll is another clip on the truths in music. He had an 80s stash. Yeah, you got to have, I mean, you got to have the 80s stash. I mean, mine, I got a little bit coming in right here. You know, you want that race car driver kind of look, you know, it's just, uh, well, anyway, look at me. I'm just banging on here. Chris Warnicke is going to come up and say something sensible. Is an electronic cigarette signature cigarette. Isn't electronic signature or click signature the same as a wet ink signature? No, it is not. No, it is not. No, it is not. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. All right. So let's get back to the neda, the vow, the vow here. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit. This again is very important for the days in which we live. The difference between a covenant versus a contract. What is the difference between a covenant versus a contract? Well, the question would be, a better question would be, what is the difference between private and public? A public is contract, private is covenant. So what do you think we should be entering into as the children of Israel, all 12 tribes scattered abroad? What do you think we should be doing if we're trying to come out of Mystery Babylon? We should examine our contracts and realize that they are called adhesion contracts and hidden contracts. They adhere you to something. They've got glue to them that sticks. 
and you might want to rescission some of those because you made a mistake and then start to move into the private with your brethren and make covenants. Public versus private. Every word that we say, everything affects change. Every thought that we have affects change. Think about this. What's a covenant or what's a contract? Look at the difference between covenants and contracts. Marriage, for instance. In the private, there's a marriage between a man and a woman, and the third party to that marriage is who? Yahuwah. Right there, you have formed a covenant. Now, the Constitution of the United States of America gives you the unlimited right to contract. And that is a whole part of the Constitution, okay? The unlimited right to contract in the private. But guess what? All the public bodies, they also have the unlimited right to contract. So how do you think they're going to get you out of the private? By tempting you with all of these contracts. And once you do that, you come out of the private, you move into their mystery Babylon system, and you've made a soul tie. And now you are liable, and you can argue, and you can fight, and you can bring up the Constitution all you want. You can bring up common law, and you will lose, 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 lose every single time because you're the one that entered by a neder, a vow, into a public contract. And the public have the unlimited right to contract, just as the private does. So therefore, Joe Biden is going to compel you to perform to all of the nice little lovely juicy contracts that he can offer you that are going to have some super, super duper bennies and privileges associated with them. They're going to be splendid. You're going to get lots of Federal Reserve notes. You could get them monthly. You could get maybe some food stamps. Oh, you could, you know what you could really get? It would be amazing. You could get yourself a 401k. Think about that. It's amazing. Amazing. You can put your money in there and they'll tell you it's tax-free. It's not tax-free. It's called a deferment. There's the Benny and the privilege. Oh, my God. And who do you think is going to be using that money for all that time? Taking all of the benefits and privileges for themselves while you're getting this silly little tax deferment because you will pay the tax. See, anyway, I'm digressing again, but this week's Torah portion is so prevalent to the life in which we live because every word affects change. I would rather live in the private. There is a man and a woman who enter into a covenant with Yahuwah and they're married. Or there's another option available to us, and it's called the public. There is a man and a woman in the state, and there is a contract and you go and register it with the state. You now have a different third party in between. How about birth? Well, in the private, there is the Bible. There is a covenant. You have two or three witnesses. You've got the mother. You've got the father. You've got the lady or the man that delivered the baby. Maybe you had some family in the other room that came in, and you all wrote it down in your nice King James Bible, and you recorded it. 
there on the front there. And now you've got a nice Bible birth covenant with two or three witnesses. You have a mother and you have a father. And the third party involved is Yahweh. I like that one. That's called private. There's another option. It's called public. And there is a pair then that gets the state involved and they become pair that then rents the child from the state and you get a certificate of title. Parents. And you rent the child from the state and that's a public contract. Which would you prefer? What did we get duped into? You see, Mystery Babylon makes you believe that you don't have an option. Well, how about another word? There's another word here called a domicile or a residency. Okay, what's private? Domicile. What's public? Residency. And you can privately covenant from without side the United States. In fact, there's a whole U.S. code. It's code 28 U.S. Code 1746, Section 1, tells you that you do not have to reside according to state statute within a dominated region or within a federal military area of the geographic republic of the United States of America. You have the ability, and I have the ability, to have an exceptional private and confidential area of residence in equity known as the place of the county or with a city where you're domiciling. That's private. Or you can be a resident and have a resident, residence, with a zip code, and that is a called a public contracting venue. And you'll notice oftentimes, if you contract in the public, you can't use a P.O. box. They'll say you can't use a P.O. box. For instance, if you try to contract with the State Department to get a passport, which is a contract, public, um, you can't use a P.O. box because a P.O. box is not a contracting venue. Because you can't be the resident of a box, can you? So you can't, that's, that's a non-contracting non venue. So again, it's everywhere. You see it everywhere. Well, think about this, okay? Let's, let's look at this. You could have um, what's called a CPN. It's a credit privacy number. What would that be? Would that be a covenant or would that be a contract? Would that be private or would that be public? It'd be totally private. What would be the converse of that? A social security number. What is that? Well, that's public, and that is a contract, and it's a public mark of contract with Mystery Babylon. You see, it's everywhere, and it all goes back to this week's Torah portion. Think about this. There's, a, there's public adhesion contracts versus private covenants. What I'm trying to get you to think is it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Start thinking the difference between public and private covenants and contracts, and you'll see it everywhere, and it will make you take pause because you realize that this is going to create a soul tie, that this is going to have huge ramifications, and some little prayer to Jesus isn't going to deliver you from the covenants and contracts that you have made. But if you acknowledge that you made a mistake and then you change the way that you live, you'll be set free. Think about this, public, employee, taxpayer, resident, title, registration, insurance, license. Well, all of that 
is available in the private. It's called a limited liability company. It's called a foreign trust. It's called being the beneficiary of your own labor. It's called an MCO. It's called, oh, what's an MCO? You go, well, what happens when you get a public title to your, you get a title to your vehicle, right? That's public. It's a split title. But before they ever could get a title, it was called a manufacturer's certificate of origin. Well, that's what you want. Because then you don't have a split title. Well, I want to know where the MCO is. Do you own the car? Then you should have the MCO. Because the MCO is the origin before it went public. I want that. Manufactured certificate of origin. Then you've got postal power. You can use the registry of the Universal Postal Union, the UPO. It's called the power of the post. And that's powerful. You can have foreign permits. You can have private bonds. And then guess where it puts you? You and I should be operating under the negotiable instrument laws. Because with that, you have full private power to operate in commerce with Mystery Babylon and be protected. You can actually create your own instruments. How about that? Did the Federal Reserve, that isn't federal at all, do they create their own instruments? Their debt instruments, did they create them? Well then, do you have a right to create your own instruments? As long as you don't use public instruments, you and I, we can, we can deal privately with our own instruments. We can use negotiable and non-negotiable instruments. We can use instruments with one another. If you agree and I agree and we haven't created an instrument, we can create our own. Oh, that's going to free you, isn't it? Oh, we don't want to talk about that, especially on YouTube. Oh, brethren, the world is changing and Israel is coming out of mystery Babylon and we will be there and they literally, we will switch the water off if they don't come up to the feasts. And we will live as kings and priests on the earth and they will be compelled to perform under Mystery Babylon as slaves because the system is going down in an hour. And there is a whole group of people that I'm connected with, that you're connected with, Bible believers that are coming out of her, my people, and structuring themselves the way Yahuwah has told us through Moses and the prophets from time immemorial. But we didn't know because we, we automatically were duped and compelled to perform with Mystery Babylon from birth. I know I was, but my wife always jokes. She's like, You've been doing this since you were a kid. I have always, there's always been something in me, ever since I was a little boy, of always bucking the system, always looking around the corner and there's a different way in. How do you think I became, I got over to this country. I didn't come over like normal people. I was like, well, hang on. If I want something, there's a way to get it, but you've got to think out of the system. You've got, to think, you've got to think out of the box. You've got to be creative and you have got to be working with the creator in the form of private covenants and Yahweh's law 
not the legalese of Mystery Babylon, because that will keep you as an employee, taxpayer, resident. You'll have titles, register. Any time you register anything, any time you get a license, you are done. Done. You have just made a tie. That's got huge ramifications because you signed on to all of the statutes and all of the codes and everything that goes along with it that you don't even know anything about. That's called an adhesion contract. And if we had learned this Torah portion from when we were little children, we little children's little children, we would be a lot more cautious and a lot more wise of what we were getting into. Because it's a lot easier for my children and for your son to be able to move forward because they haven't got 40 years of adhesion contracts to rescission. You know? Rescission, rescission, rescission. But let's get back to the scripture. Neder, vow. You know what the most amazing vow of all is? Shabbat. Shabbat. Shabbat is a vow. It's a neder. Exodus chapter 31, verse 13. It's an oat. Aleph Tav. It is an oat. Aleph Vav Tav. An oat. A flag, a beacon, a monument, an omen, a prodigy, evidence, mark, miracle. It is an ensign. It is a token. It's a neder. A vow. Now in chapter 31, we see vengeance against the Midianites. Enough banging on about vows. There's nobody here anymore. They all left because I was banging on about vows. Did you all go? He's been banging on. My wife did. She's gone. Gone. I knew you'd get all legal. You always get legal. No, I don't. I get lawful, darling. Lawful. Torahful. And then I relate it to Mystery Babylon. Melchizedek wife, U.S. birth certificates have red numbers at the bottom tied to the social security numbers and they created all caps, straw man in your name, traded every day on the international markets. There you go. There you go. Say no more. Just check in with Melchizedek wife and she will keep you up on the public and the ramifications. Chapter 31, though, we find vengeance on the Midianites. Avenge the children of Israel of the Midianites, afterwards shalt thou be gathered unto thy people. And here we see that the Midianite whores, the Nokri women, and Balaam himself were slaughtered. But vengeance comes from Yahuwah. It doesn't come from us. And we will see that there is then a cleansing through fire and a cleansing through water. So the metal instruments and the, the um, war instruments would be cleansed through fire. But wood instruments and other instruments that would not endure the fire are to be cleansed through water. Again, brethren, this it now comes on the back of the Neder, chapter 30, the vow. So when we make a mistake, we need to be cleansed. And Yahweh is the one that decides, are we going to be cleansed through fire? through the mistake that we made, or are we going to be cleansed through water? Okay, let's talk about me, for instance, because I'm the one here teaching, so I get to do that. I'm being cleansed through fire in my life right now, okay? Being hard-pressed, and 
it's through a process of fire. Now, have I been equipped to come through that fire? Have I been given the remedy to be able to come through that fire? Yes. Do I know how long it's going to take? No. Do I have any, any say on how long it's going to take or how hot the fire gets? No. Will he see me through it and has he given me everything I need to get through the fire? Yes. And am I assured, assured, not 90%, but it has to be a 100% assurance of a remedy and a victory? Yes, for sure and for certain. But I do not know the time. I do not know the heat. I do not know these things, but I do know that. Because I'm the one that made the mistake. It's nobody else's fault but mine. So I have a lot, an allotted season. There's going to be some pain. And it's going to get hot. And it could go on for who knows how long. And there are other things in my life that I made a mistake on. And instantly, I need to be cleansed with water. There's a cleansing of water. A cleansing of water. A mikvah. I love it when we come to the feast and we get to mikvah. Everything is going to be cleansed through fire and water in our lives. We just have to confess with our mouth, Romans 10, 8, 9 and 10, and be purified with fire, and we need to be purified with water. And we need to accept the process. Now in chapter 32, we get into the causing division over the material world. We have the settling of the tribes east of the Jordan. But hang on a minute, Reuben and Gad, they didn't want to go over. Numbers chapter 32, verse 1. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they had saw the land of Jezer and the land of Gilead, that beheld the place was a place for cattle. So they had things in the natural realm. They had things in the possessions, material possessions, and those material possessions took precedent over them joining their brethren. How many times have you chosen and I chosen material possessions over maybe the things of Yahweh and the way that Yahweh would have us with his people? Well, that's exactly what Reuben and Gad did. They caused division over material possessions. Land and livestock, land and livestock, livestock and land. Reuben doesn't want the inheritance and influences his brothers. Because what happens, brethren? Selfish ambition spreads. It just spreads. Living outside of Israel brings consequences. The curse, the curse excuse me, of what they did here, but it caught up with them. And it brought about their eyes. What do I mean? In 740, before the common era, common era, excuse me, Assyria came in and conquered the land. You remember that? And where did they conquer first? This very land right here where Reuben and Gad were. 
and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So the first tribes to be taken captive into Assyria and never come back were Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh because of the decision they made right here to camp on the east side of the Jordan because they chose material possessions over the tribes of Israel. They were the first to be cut out of the tribes of Israel 740 before the common era. Yes, it took some time, but eventually your sins will catch up with you. You cannot hide from Yahweh. Numbers chapter 32, verse 6, it is written, And Moshe said unto the children of Gad and unto the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land that Yahuwah have given unto them? Discouraging the people of Yahuwah, division and discouragement, they go hand in hand. We need to be a people of edification and encouragement. That is what the people of Yahuwah do. Now, if you have a brother or a sister and they're having trouble in their marriage, what is your responsibility to do? Not to get involved as a third party in a private contract between a man and his wife and Yahuwah. Stay the heck out. It is none of your stinking business. Because if you do, then what are you going to be doing? Most probably, because you don't have all the information, you're going to be causing division and discouragement. And there's massive ramifications for interfering as a third party into a covenant. Massive ramifications. Because you are getting in between a man, Yahuwah, and his wife. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing that if I were you. When we speak negative things of others, we are acting as a second witness with Satan. Because Satan, S-A-T-A-N, is the accuser of the brethren. And when you and I start speaking negative about somebody else, we're a second witness with S-A-T-A-N. Think on that when you start dogging on somebody behind their back. Hopefully none of you do that. Talking trash about somebody. You've just become a second witness with Satan. Don't talk about people behind their backs. Don't get involved. Because it will bring about a curse in your own life. Because you just linked up with Satan. He is roaming around this world as the accuser of the brethren. And he's looking for a second witness and you start accusing somebody else, or you start talking bad about somebody else, you just became a second witness with Satan, and there's a soul tie. It's going to bring massive ramifications. Proverbs chapter 26, the first verses is written, Honor, it's not seemly for a fool, as the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. I don't give a monkey's what people say about me. I really don't care. Firstly, I'm middle-aged. Secondly, I'm white. And thirdly, I'm religious. So, you know, according to the world, I've got to be a white supremacist and a Nazi and a racist and a fascist, okay? Thankfully, I don't vote. Otherwise, they'd say I was a Trump supporter too. That's the world. 
who gives a rip what they say about you? Does it really matter? It's nonsense because I know that the curse causeless shall not come. And those that break bread with me, they know who I really am. And that's what matters. So don't care what people say about you, brethren. You've got to be a greasy duck and let water just roll off your back. A gefelte fish, if you will. Just be an oily fish, a sardine or something like that or a mackerel, or even an anchovy, if you love anchovies. Numbers chapter 32, verse 22. <laughs> oh, good night. It's crazy. But Reuben, he says, let us build a wall before we join Israel in battle. Delayed obedience. This is something I tell my children. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience, children. If mother says do it, do it now. If father says do it, do it now. Now, if they're the pair that rents from the state, then, you know, you're, you're in a whole public controversy. I won't get involved in that. But I'm talking as a Bible believer to Bible believers. But Reuben said, let us build a wall before we join Israel in battle. He was delaying his obedience, which is disobedience. Number chapter, Numbers chapter 32, verse 22. Oh, I'm having too much fun today, just banging on. I thank you, Doug, for giving me the earphones today. It makes so much difference. I feel so much better today. I just really do. You can tell, can't you? I, I think you can tell. I'm going to check back in the chat. Can you tell I'm feeling better today? Kevin Niebling says he desires quick obedience. Let me just refresh the chat here. I like that I have the live chat right available here. For me. <laughs> Truth like Velcro says, you're white. They hate us. <laughs> Oh, good grief. I know. It's so. Ah, oh, Jose, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, down there in the Florida panhandle. Wonderful teaching. A good oath one can make, Yahuwah, um, is, is Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Ah, uh, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. That is true. Anyway, I could go on too long. Let's get back into chapter 32, verse 22. The land was subdued before Yahweh. Then afterwards ye shall return and be guiltless before Yahweh and before Israel. This land shall be your possession before Yahweh. And if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against Yahweh and be sure your sin will find you out. See, nothing is hidden. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And what happened is that they were looking at their material possessions more than they were looking at their tribal inheritance. We need to be clean and clear before Yahuwah or our sin will find us out if we keep in it. Look at Reuben. Now in chapter 33, in chapter 33, we see Israel's journey from Egypt. It's reviewed. We now come into the Torah portion called Masai or Masah. It's a Mem Samak um, Ayin. Yes, a Mem Samak Ayin. And it is 
talking about the different stages of the Masah, meaning the journey. Now, there were 42 camping spots beginning with Sukkot, which is a prophetic picture of what we'll be doing when we come to the first Sukkot as we exit Mystery Babylon when she falls with what within one hour. But, you know, so many of the problems that we've had in religion is because theologians are infamous for giving religious people the wrong Maasai, meaning the wrong stage of the journeys. What do I mean? They said, oh, well, you know, the temple got destroyed in 70 of the common era, and then the um, New Testament church replaced the Jews, and then we had a journey to Rome, and then um, the Pope came along, and we got this beautiful thing called the Nicene Council, um, and this is the journey that we took. What a bunch of baloney. That's not the journey that we took whatsoever. But you see, they didn't give you the right Maasai. They didn't give you the right Maasai. They didn't give you the right journey. The right journey is Acts chapter 15 and the restoration of all Israel and the book of the covenant. That's the right journey. Or you could look at the migration of the tribes. And we spoke about this last week. Stephen Collins does an amazing job on the migration of the tribes because it's always been about the tribes of Israel, all 12 tribes. Think about the journey that um, we have with St. Catherine and Mount Sinai. Well, Mount Sinai, allegedly, the children of Israel, um, we crossed through the Sea of Reeds, just outside of Egypt. You know, they, they were knee-deep. They're just a little knee-deep Sea of Reeds, and there was a little parting there, and they kind of walked through as on dry land. And then in the middle of the Sinai Peninsula, there's Mount Sinai. Well, that's not the right journey. But that's the journey. If you look in the maps of your Bible... That's the journey that the maps of your Bible will have you believe. But the true journey, the true Maasai, is that the Mount Sinai is Jabal Makla in Saudi Arabia. In Saudi Arabia. It's in the Jabal al-Lawz mountain range. And that there is a standing pillar right there on the Red Sea, the standing pillar of Solomon, that shows where the children of Israel crossed. And there is a land trench, and you can see it in Google Maps, in the Red Sea, where the children of Israel actually crossed when the Red Sea split, their chariot wheels that are still fossilized and encrusted with all kinds of sea urchins, at the bottom of the Red Sea, they crossed over the Red Sea at that land trench right there that you can see on Google Maps. The standing pillar of Solomon is still there. It's fallen down. And they moved off to Mount Sinai in Arabia, as Paul says to the Galatians. Mount Sinai is in Saudi Arabia. It's not in Sinai. It's the wrong journey they've been telling us. Because this is the way that the public operates. It's all about deception. It's all about fraud. But you know what? Instead of making a claim against Mystery Babylon, how about you and I make, make an admission that we made a mistake by believing in a bunch of hogwash? It was our mistake. Nobody forced you to sit there and believe everything that your Catholic priest said. 
Nobody forced you to believe everything that the, the vicar said down there in the Church of England, Matthew, when you were brainwashed in Sunday school every Sunday by your unbelieving parents that sent you there. Goodness knows why they did that, but they did. Nobody, I made the mistake. I have a mind. I have a thought process. I could have questioned these things a lot earlier than I did. So we repent of our mistakes and we make a rescission with the public realm and we move into the covenants of promise, Ephesians 2, 6, and we are free. We are free. Yahweh is setting you and me free. And the first place it starts, brethren, is by taking a look at our vows. It's a lot, isn't it? I covered a lot today. Let's see if you're still there in the chat. Oh, I'm acting like a bit of a nutter today, aren't I? All right, let's see what you've got here. If you want me to get your attention, then redline me in the chat. Oh, we have a lot of people here today. Matthew, is a Form 1040 a public adhesion contract? What do you think? Of course it is. Can you enact a rescission and annul the implied obligations? Now, there is one thing to say. What is it they, they always say? There's two things in life, death and taxes. Okay? Now, say you have a pistol, right? And you've got a couple of magazines. The IRS has got a massive cannon with an unlimited amount of ammunition. So just realize what you're going to, if you go that route, what you will be engaging in. If you sign something with them, um, best not try and rescission and go back. You'll never get money back, okay? Don't even go there because you're going to enter into a controversy. And what you do going forward, well, that depends on how you structure yourself. There are many options that are available to us. And remember, remember, making wise decisions in business, we're allowed to doing that. Now, there are things that do come from ramifications, you know. Um, but anyway, that's most probably all I should say. But yeah, that's public. And that, that's, uh, yeah, start off with something easier. Start off with something simpler before you dive in. All right, Diesel Grandpa says, freedom from our parents' words and the sins handed down from previous generations, we have the opportunity to speak words of blessings and freedom to our children and our grandchildren and pray over them. And remember, don't slumber, fathers, on your wives and your children's words. Action. Take action. Okay? What they're listening to. Music. What they're watching. Music. Um, um, videos. All that type of thing. And of course, it's not just... Um, husbands, I mean, for instance, my wife will come to me and say, Matthew, you know, don't listen to that because she's really, really discerning. Whereas me, you know, I do have a secular job and I'm down in my secular job. And then, you know, it, it does. It gotta, it's, a, it's hard. You know, I've got to stay the line, stay the line. You know, my, my wife has been um, home with the children for many years. So she's a lot more insulated 
And that's a, a great thing. So you have to work with the blessings that are around you. John Schuchel says, we are strangers in a strange land. We are, we're sojourners. And the land is getting stranger, is it not? Man, it's getting stranger out there, isn't it? Just everywhere you look. All right. And Shabbat Fellowship is putting up some links. Look at the links that Shabbat Fellowship is throwing up there in the chat. Click on that link, brethren, and we will see the blessings that come from the Moedim, the feasts and festivals of Yahuwah. Shabbat Shalom, giant killer. It is for freedom that Yehusha has set us free. Stand firm and then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1, exactly. He who set us free, why would we then enchain ourselves again? Because we're not realizing these vows are everywhere we go today, everywhere we go today, okay? Very good question. Kevin Niebling, does a vow have to specifically invoke Yahuwah's name? In our Torah portion, a vow does invoke the name of Yahuwah. A true vow does invoke the name of Yahweh. Excellent, excellent question. Shabbat Shalom down there in Tennessee, you old rambler. You could be a young rambler, I don't know. But Tennessee rambler, verily I say unto you, what things soever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And what things soever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There you go. That's all about the nadir and rescission and rescission, isn't it? Not. Onion Breath says, um, Yahweh, Yahweh reveals his will for us each day. Help us to walk it out with your love, Father Yahweh. Amen, amen to that. And then we need our moderators to get up and do some deleting from some infiltrators in the chat. Do you see that, moderators? Get up there and get out of here, please. All right, Mary Trotter. Oi vey, I didn't know I was being a second witness to you-know-who when I complain about my adult's kids. Well, yeah, we've all done this again, but we, we've got to be careful, right? Because ultimately we are looking for restoration and we know that edification is the best way to go. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh Eloheinu, Travis. Ah, Matthew, can you offer private class in person for some of us that live in the private, some of us to learn to live in the private? Yes, that is something that I do want to do, and I will be doing that, but I have some things that I do need to tie up here um, first before I enter into a new um, venue to do that, which would include most probably a new website and something on the private side for many, many people to be able to partake of. That is something that is in the works, in the works. But right now I've got a lot of irons in the fire and um, not quite ready to do that, but it's coming. So be patient as um, I learn, I'm gonna have a lot more uh, valuable, valuable information and ways to help all of the brethren in Israel because I believe that this is gonna be truly, truly the key to our Goshen, the key to our Goshen. We're gonna have Goshen in the land, brethren, and Yahweh is it's gonna be amazing, truly, truly amazing it is going to be.
a place of safety for the woman to flee in the wilderness. And I know that Yahweh has called me to do that and to go ahead to prepare that. And that is why I'm going through the fire, brethren. And um, it's an awesome responsibility and awesome blessings. And now I can see it. I couldn't see it at first, but now I have. I've learned so much and um, just... It's overwhelmingly humbling. It's overwhelming, overwhelmingly humbling. I'm, I'm excited about what's going to happen. I really am. Shalom Matthew says, Taylin Lala. Taylin Lala. Shalom Matthew. I appreciate you, brother. I'm in Redmond, Washington. SpaceX moved into my neighborhood with white checker, black and white checker warehouses. Of course, notice all the globalists and the New World Order and all of that, they always do the black and white checker. Why is that? What is up is down, what is down is up, what is black is white, right? It's satanic, it's globalist and luciferic and it comes out of the Aleister Crowley and all of that. They always do that black and white checker stuff. You look at some of these terrible um, videos of these that these youth look for, you know, and they've got triangles, they've got the New World Order triangle, they've got the, you know, they're always covering one eye and they're always dancing and boogieing on checkered blooming floors because this is, of course, communication, communicating the contracts that they are compelling you to perform under. Well, brethren, that's all I've got for you this Shabbat. Let's close with the blessing, blessing, the ironic blessing. And I would stand up, but if I do, I'm, you won't see me. So please forgive me as I sit down, but in all, um, all honesty and reverence that Yahuwah I know is with us. Yevarechacha Yahuwah veyishmerecha. Yeyer Yahuwah panavelecha vechonecha. Yisa Yahuwah panavelecha vayasim lecha lecha shalom. May Yahuwah bless you and keep you. May Yahuwah's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahuwah lift his countenance up upon you and grant you all, brethren, his shalom in the mighty name of Yahusha, Sa Shalom, Prince of Peace. Come and see us for Sukkot. At this point, it is so appropriate that you have been hanging this long to give us some thumbs up. Subscribe, subscribe. Hit that subscription button. Really, if you're coming in here, the first thing you should do is thumb us up and you should subscribe because that really, really helps other sheep come into the fold. We hear from people all over the world every single week that have come in because uh, either you sent them a link or they found a link or we came up on their um, their uh, suggestions on, on various blogs and formats and whatnot. So it's pretty exciting. Thank you, brethren, for your patience. My love to you in the mighty name of Yahusha. Shabbat Shalom.